April 27, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro show.
For Peter Show, happy Monday. Uh, probably last Monday of April, huh? We're still in Quentin Quarantino mode, so Brother Matt with the Love Grotto, Pleasure Point, Sequester mode, getting uh, make sure he's getting his di- di- disinfectant going, though. Uh, we started the show off with Lonnie's Lament, John Coltrane, and then Brendan Edder Ensemble with uh, Above the Gray. And speaking of uh, Brendan Edder, uh, I'm not man alone here, people. Because through the wonder of Skype and those Estonian software engineers, uh, yeah, Brendan Etter. Where, where, where are you talking to me from, Brendan? I'm in Echo Park. Echo Park, okay. Representing. And people, Brendan is kind enough to think about your ears, so he supplied his own Sure SM7B mic. Doing what I can. That's right, doing it. And then, speaking of doing what you can, well, we were off-air people talking about where we met. Well, Brendan came up to me after a missing man gig and uh, turned me on to his uh, CD. His, uh, what was the name of that one? Just self-titled Brendan Edder Ensemble. Okay, so this, is the, this was the eponymous yeah. uh, ensemble, the D-butt. And, man, I... I we were talking. I ended up playing every fucking one of them tunes because it's a bitching record. And you got a brand new one here. But let's let's go way back, Brendan, before the okay. ensemble. What is your earliest musical recollection? Uh, well, we were chatting about my uncle earlier. He showed me some cool stuff, like dub scientist. Um, but, you know, sort of, uh, I well, guess, yeah. earlier influences that uh, inspired me uh, – well, you know, I did grow up listening to like punk music and then classical and jazz. Well, let me ask you, uh, where, where were you? I, I'm from the Valley, San Fernando Valley. Okay, so you're a Val, and yeah. the pad you grow up in is there? Is there musical instruments? Uh, eventually, they got a piano because I started playing on them. 
uh, wherever they were, but and the parents a, were nice enough. Did you have a musical memory that goes before the piano got there? Well, playing on other pianos, and, and also both of my uncles, one in the East Coast uh, and one in Echo Park, uh, he they had drum sets like in their basements, so I'd always I just picked that up right away. Oh, um, I must have been like twelve or thirteen. I just started, you know, playing beats or something, playing to like Foo Fighters albums or something. <laughs> let, let me ask you about uh, school. Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I got some. I got some good experience in uh, good old LUSG. Um, Cleveland High School. I, I yeah, I did jazz band and uh, that, that's it. Just some jazz band, after jazz school band. jazz band. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years of that. You, what, and trumpet drums? maybe. Oh, trumpet. What's that? I did trumpet in middle school. Um, so for did, a year uh, or something. But doing trumpet in the jazz band, but not the marching band. Yeah, no, the trumpet was like concert band. It was like you know, kind of classical something. I don't know. I don't even remember. Yeah, but sure, you know about the marching band. The trumpets are like the big screamers, man. Yeah, I don't want to carry anything around and sit in the sun in the valley. It was hard to march with them because a small mouthpiece. And French horn, I I heard, was even harder. The good ones was the bone and the baritone because they had these big-ass mouthpieces. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more resilient in the sun. As As you're bouncing, you know, you're walking, right, or marching. Sounds awful. And you have to wear these really... Really hot uh, outfits. Right, right. Thick, thick, like, like wool. wool. <laughs> <laughs> Punishing. Okay. I'd never do that. We were called the Pedro Pirates. We were black and gold. And I never you did, did that? that? No, no. I tried clarinet after 10 weeks, Mr. Luna. Well, that was in junior high at Dotson. I, I never even made it to high school. I never took another music class because he told me I was wasting my time and his time and the whole class. T- he said I tried hard, though. Oh wow! Thank God he wasn't like, Moon, right? listen, listen, you, baby, Watt, like, sit down. I'm going to tell you something. You might not believe me. Well, maybe You're going to become a very powerhouse girl. bassist. You need to quit <laughs> clarinet. Well, I wanted sax, but so did thirty other guys. You know, so oh yeah, right. And it's a B flat thing. And I guess one way you can learn the fingering and go to sax. I think if you know clarinet, you can do sax. But to do sax to go yeah. to clarinet, I heard is hard. That's what Brother Steve told me in the Stooges. But anyway, I was not really a baby. I was 12, but still a boy. And definitely uh, I was beaten down. But I went to school <laughs> at the uh, D. Boone Conservatory of Music. Yeah. And learned some Creedence and some Oyster Cult. And that, that's how I got it. And then the movement came, and I was I was lucky for that. But get, but getting to your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your uncle's got drum sets. So that means, like, after school... You go over their pads, or did you have like a nah, garage band, just, or a bedroom band, or a basement band, or something like that with your buddies? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was just like really early on. It was very, you know, very rare. We'd go to their place, and I'd get to play for a little bit. But but then eventually, my parents, you know, I got a drum set uh, uh, for maybe like thirteenth or fourteenth birthday. So and then I, yeah, we had I was already in little bands. Had this little band called Sonic Stranger, kind of sounded like Weezer or Ozma. Some, yeah, I was playing now, drums and that, and like punk bands, all sorts of stuff. When they get you uh, a drum set, do they say, "We'll get you this set, but you gotta take lessons"? I don't know. No, I think they just got me a, a cheap set. Maybe the second set I had to really so you didn't earn or lessons. pay for. Well, I did do? a little bit, but not much. Oh, okay. Because like the way me and Debo, I mean, some guy showed us where I'm in his loaf pads, but we also learned off records. Did you do that thing? Where you played? Yeah. 
That's it. Yeah, that's like ninety percent or something. In fact, George Hurley. Uh, it was my generation, and what's that? St- uh, Billy Cobham record. Oh man, Spectrum. Oh yeah, those two I'm, records. I'm... He taught himself fucking drums. Listening, getting some headphones, bought a little drum set, and fucking beat the shit into himself. Insane. Yeah, incredible. But, you know, I love to hear your story because hardly anybody starts on the drums. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? I don't know. I didn't know that. I think, I, you know, we, I was talking, I had somebody on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying it should be a requirement for graduating high school is you got to take some drums. Hell Yeah. Yeah, it's good for your brain, you know. Any well, any instrument. Well, is. well a lot of music's rhythm, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. You know, there's no denial. It's pure rhythm. Yeah, you got to tap. You know, get into that reptilian brain and kind of refresh that, tune that in. You know, before you leave high school, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, because any other instrument, I think you'll have a leg up on. Yeah, because you'll have rhythm. And there's something yeah, about totally. the one mistake Minutemen did with George Hurley was keep him in the back. That motherfucker should have been at the front of the stage, like the way I run my trios nowadays. Yeah, I like the way you. I like your. See, I your, put the drummer uh, way up front. Up. That's what we should have done with Georgie. Okay. It's sort of like an iron triangle or something. Well, yeah, it's yeah, and it's you know, I don't know. It just it really bugs me about the way the drums are treated in this kind of music. You know, Chico Hamilton couldn't even get songwriting credits. But by the way, George Hurley was way into Chico Hamilton. Oh, yeah. It doesn't yeah, surprise you can't me. write music on drums. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nonsense. Or bass guitar, same thing, you know, unless it's reggae, I guess. So, But let's get back <laughs> to you and your story. So so you had these little bands that sounded like Weezer and shit. <laughs> uh, let me, let, let me um, ask you, what was the first record you bought yourself? Oh man, man, dude! I don't remember. I I was you know when getting CDs or tapes back then. I yeah. I, I probably I had really bad taste. So I, I I know I liked some good stuff too, but um, I can't right. I can't give you anything specific. I can't think of the first CD or tape I bought. I know I can remember like really wanting to get like Smashing Pumpkins or um that yeah. And what was the first it. gig you went to? On, I think my uncle took me to a Foo Fighters concert. That was probably the first rock show I saw. Maybe you know, Raffy. So just to give listeners a kind of a <laughs> reference about what time we're talking about. So oh, yeah, it's we're like talking the about 90s. like kind of nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm thirty-two. Okay, okay. I usually never ask the age. Of, you didn't. I just yes, I just yeah. blared it out. You never ask, but <laughs> it, you know you can give people kind of a sense, right? If you. Talk about that kind of stuff. You know, I'm yeah. gonna play here something from the new record, Purple. <laughs> Thank you. 
was a man who worked as a caretaker at the same place I once did. We'd sign in at the same office in the morning before making our way to the respective patches at which we worked. I'll call him Charles. I got a phone call from my buddy one day, and he says, Have you heard about Charles? Turn on the telly. He's been all over the news. It turned out no one really knew who Charles was, as he had been living under seven different aliases, claiming benefits through multiple addresses, and even working multiple caretaker jobs. He would sign in at one office before skipping to another. No one was ever the wiser. Charles had yet another identity, that of a people-trafficking voodoo wizard. Charles was part of a ring of people-traffickers, along with three other men based in Nigeria who used voodoo as a fear tactic. The group singled out two vulnerable teenage girls from an impoverished area where the belief in the effects of witchcraft and voodoo were very strong and manipulated them away from what were already bleak family circumstances into their nasty hands. The eldest of the girls was subjected to a ritual that involved having all of her body hair cut off. Then she was slashed with razor blades, and her blood collected and poured into a coffin. She was then tied up and placed into a second coffin, still bleeding. The girls were also made to eat raw, just slaughtered chicken hearts as part of rituals to bind them to one of the men who was posing as some sort of juju priest. Both were of the belief that the priest could enter their souls and their thoughts and was able to kill them in their sleep. They ended up being shipped to London to Charles the Wizard, who kept them prisoner in one of his flats. He starved, bound, tortured, and raped both girls, as well as repeatedly threatening their lives. His next plan for them was to have them sold into brothels in either Germany or Greece. Thankfully, the police caught up with him before that could happen. In the end, the judge gave Charles two decades behind bars. They never did manage to conclusively prove who he really was or where he really came from.
fallen ditch. When I get lonesome, the wind begin to moan. When I trip, fallen ditch, somebody wanna throw the dirt right down. When I feel like dying, the sun come out, stole my fear and gone. Who's afraid of the spirit with the blues for bones? Who's afraid of the falling ditch? Falling ditch ain't gonna get my bones. How's that for the spirit? How's that for the things? Ain't my fault the things gone wrong. When I'm smiling, my face wrinkles up real warm. When I'm frowning, things just turn to stone. Fallen ditch ain't gonna get my bones. When I get lonesome, the wind begin to moan. Fallen ditch ain't gonna get my bones. So we heard purple. Yep, Brenda What's up? Ensemble. Then Bilge Pump out of Leeds with uh, If She Sees My Little Face. Swenson Klein out of Canada with Encounter. John Applis and Leval J. Calcutt. Have you heard about Charles? Mike uh, Shiflet. Gunpowder for Raging. No, for- 
it ain't for rages. It's for Raglani. Somebody's name. I'm sorry about that. Nobody's raging. Parents Whitfield and the Savages with uh, Eddie, please. Edie, please. Got fucking everything up here. And the calm of your eyes from Masika. This is guys right out of high school in the early 70s in Chicago. They play one gig. They press up 50 records. <laughs> that's, that's the whole trip. <laughs> Good old days, right? And Cap Beefheart after that with Fallen Ditch. And finally, Brendan Edder Ensemble with No Words. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I've been watching The Prisoner again, Patrick McGowan, and uh, he goes to the shop to listen to some records, and above the listening, remember, record stores, you'd listen to music? Oh, yeah. Right, and it says, the sign says, music begins where words end. So, huh. did any of these bands, uh, the Weezer things, did, did you do gigs? Yeah, yeah, um... You know, like you know, that high school band I mentioned earlier um, that took a, that that is taking up some air on the airways right now. We yeah, we played like the whiskey and uh, the Roxy, like pay to play kind of stuff. But we were good. What was and the we name played of the band, Punk Penny right? in the Valley, Sonic Stranger. Can't That's find right. it anywhere. Sonic Stranger, of course. Yeah. And 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 tell me about the, the first gig. Was the first gig a pay to play at the whiskey? No, we. You know that venue Cobalt Cafe. Did okay. you ever play there? No, I never did, but I know about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was sort of one of the places to go in the valley, so we played there. And uh, there was a place in the old days, probably before you were born. It was called the Blah Blah Cafe, and that changed its name to the Plant. And across wow. the street, I think, was a place called the Queen Mary. And I saw the actor who played George Jefferson. Whoa! Yeah, I can't remember. His... What were you doing in Canoga Park? I was. Uh, no, I was at this gig, the Blah Blah Cafe. You'll see there's a couple of oh. songs from a Minuteman gig on the politics of time. Oh. I'm just wondering. But l- l- let me hear about your first gig. Was it scary? No. Nah, well, I, first of all, I can't remember. I mean, I, I smoked more pot like when I was a kid, you know, than I do now. So, which I, I don't really smoke pot now. I don't remember most of my high school experience. Like, I don't remember the anxieties of a first show. But I'm sure they're there just, you know. Not not too bad. Now you guys, uh, pretty did, confident. Did, did you have uh, original material or were you doing covers? Yeah, it was almost all original material. Oh wow! Were you part? Yeah. Of the so- were you part of the songwriting process? Hardly. Towards the end, you know, no, I was, towards another... the end of that, I started getting interested in making my own stuff. And... No, but that's one of the disappointments again about how drummers are treated. Yeah, well, not being able to play guitar, I still can't play guitar to this day. That does. You know, if I just spent a couple hours learning guitar for a couple weeks, you know, I, I could I could start writing songs for folks that, you know, just know bar chords. But I, I can't, you know, Brandon, it's hard to translate my ideas. Brandon, we got enough guitar players. You don't have to learn. You're doing fine. I'm doing fine. You're I know. I agree. Fine. Fuck it. <laughs> we got enough yeah. guitar players. Go to one of them shit hard centers and you go. I want I, no offense to guitar players, but I do like no, want to make no. people forget the guitar even exists, uh, guitar? at least occasionally. <laughs> look, look, it's part of the way, uh, in my philosophy of the politics of bass, I look good making those guys look good. True. <laughs> so, you know, bring it. It's okay, it's okay. Uh, so, so yeah, you can't remember these things. Okay, after after high school, do you go to college for music? 
Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I applied. I had these really weird compositions, uh, like kind of like electronic music stuff, uh, and I used that to apply to you know some Cal State schools and Cal Arts, uh, but. Most of those places, you know, didn't, you know, they didn't let me in. <laughs> but uh, this place, College of Santa Fe, did. It's, now it's called, it was, then it became called uh, Santa Fe University Art and Design. And I went there and I basically got to do whatever I wanted for four years, and it was really great. One band that came out of that you'd love, I got to send you, I got to send you that. It's, it was a math rock band, but really funky. You're talking New Mexico? Yeah. Okay. And so you get in there on like synthesizers? Uh, where oh oh just no just like you know like when you apply and you show them your music and your portfolio a lot of the stuff I had was home recordings and weird electronic music that's what I mean um, when I hear electronic I'm thinking yeah, synthesizers some, kind of, no not a lot of analog sense just all like in like an old Macintosh okay some German program I don't even well, yeah. well, look I'm working on the mind reading, but you're going to still have to use some words because I, I got to yank that info out of your head. I don't really know it, so I wasn't there. So when I hear electronic, I think uh, synthesizers, keyboards. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, you made a band, you're saying, outside of school there in New Mexico, Santa Fe? I sort of joined a band uh, with a couple friends, uh, or I made friends there um, with these guys. Um and the, we, yeah, we sort of formed this band called Emergency Room, and it was it was pretty popular in, in this, in the, in, at least in the college and the town. We we killed it, man. It was just heavy math rock with really great kind of funky shit going on. You would dig it, I think. Now, and then now, that after they graduated before me, and we weren't able to keep it alive. Now in this band, were you the drummer man, or were you? Uh, yeah. Sick? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't you using your electronic stuff, or did or nah. did you? Because nah. nowadays drummers put their stuff like Hodge in the MSSV project part of he, he runs his stuff live through uh, boxes, you know, like yeah, I don't do any of that yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like me; I don't use any. Uh, maybe a little compression. <laughs> I see you at Nam. I saw. I was trying to get get to your your that stand at Nam. That was difficult for me. There was only like one or the two boxes that made it sound like a bass. Everything else yeah. didn't sound like a bass, you know. Yeah, like kind of a rhythm guitar. Or something. My my buddy and I were like still thinking we got well, we definitely got sick at Nam this year, and uh, we well, we're it's definitely not true, but we were thinking we were we got COVID, but we probably just got really drunk. I at got the, it in December, the first couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Did you get sick after Nam? No, no. Before it was okay. the first week, but once you know, once you get sick, right, you're kind of immune for a while. So this was the beginning of December because you know I did the whole tour, September to November. I wouldn't shake hands. And wow, that's I smart. had no idea about COVID nineteen. I was just sick of getting sick on tour. So totally, I was just like, yeah. You know what? I'm only going to give fucking elbow, and maybe some knuckle, but that's it. And I didn't get yeah. sick not once. Then wow. I come home, and I do a gig. K-Town, somebody shook my hand. <laughs> oh. No, but there's something um, to that, you know? There's something to it. And, you know, a lot of it's this coincidence. But, you know, yeah. if you call a tour more than a month, I've done 67, 68 of them. So I was just wow. tired of getting sick. And sure enough, it kept me from getting sick. And I did, did all the driving, too, so I had a lot of stress. Wow. But still, it's the contact, not spreading the bugs. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, back to... Uh, Emergency room? 
Yeah, that was a great band. Did you guys record? Yeah, we have we have one album. Um, I have some C. I would love to send you a CD of that or a download yeah. or something. It's great. But yeah. no one no no one's heard it out, heard it out outside of Santa Fe. But uh, it's a great band. Wow, wow, and yeah, they graduated first, so you got left behind. Mm-hmm. So Michael I- Harris was one of the uh, guys there. You might have met him. He works at uh, Vox Recording Studios. Beautiful recording studio in in Hollywood area. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's one of the guitarists. Okay. After college, mm. what's music like for you? Tough. Uh, after college, I I moved back to to my parents' house in the valley, and I was pretty isolated for a while. It wasn't you know working with other people outside of film, um, and I did do some good good work uh, as a film composer. Uh, and I'm still still pushing with that career moving forward. How did you um, get into it? But it took a while. Then I finally moved back to moved to Echo Park, which is where I've been wanting to live for a really long time. Brendan, I'm and curious. That's, how yeah. did you get into the film thing? How did that happen? Uh, you know, well, I've always been writing like instrumental music, and yeah. just uh, always wanted to do film music, and um, so that's just been a that's been a pursuit for a long time. Yeah, but wanting it. And having it happen are two different things. How did, oh yeah. yeah, well, how did, how did well, one good story is um, I went to call when I went to college. I found one filmmaker I really liked that was really brilliant, uh, and his name's Ari Aster, um, who's you know gone on to do some really incredible features recently. Um, but I did a ton of his short films, uh, including his AFI, the American Film Institute thesis. Um, so that was that was something I did pretty. Pretty soon after college, but, but the connect, the connect yeah. was kind of just circumstance, right? You you met the guy. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to meet new, you know, people. That's it's about who you know, really. Right, right. Uh, Not who you blow. I spent. I also, you know, I'm a recording engineer too, and I I was really interested in pursuing that alongside with my music career. And man, I I interned like, you know, so you'd mentioned Thriller before that was recorded at Westlake Studios. I interned yeah. there. It sucked. Um, <laughs> Look, we're Cherokee the of, Studio. What's that? Have to save this for hour two, Brendan, because we're at the end of hour one. Oh, April good. Twenty-seven, twenty-twenty. Dish Watt Peter Show special guest Brendan Adder. Hold tight for hour two. April twenty-seven, twenty-twenty. It's the second hour of Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs>
for Pedro Show. Started the second hour off with Brendan Etter Ensemble doing Sing Your Heart Out. Uh, Bella from uh, Barcelona after that with uh, Latin Entranga. Entranga. Fuck, man, a terrible one. Timothy Erie with Ritual Number 5. Luke Winslow King with Louisiana Blues. Uh, Señor Al Dios y David El Diablo Dios with uh, The Desert. Uh, crushed by Pimps on Christian Live, uh, live recording there. And finally, Soft Shine Hop. Ooh, yeah. So tell me about the, uh, so this this kind of instrumental music, it first comes out of being like for, uh, for, for soundtracks, for uh, to go along with the visual images. No, no, it's just been, uh, it's sort of its own thing, for sure. It's not, it's, it doesn't really have anything to do with the film music. It's my, it's my passion project. No, but I mean, yeah. you first started getting into like making music for uh, movies, right? I mean, you wouldn't call this kind of Weezer stuff, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that was just, uh, the Weezer kind of type of stuff was just a band, you know, I played drums in, um, but around that time, you know, I started uh, getting interested in being a composer. Um, right, so right. this is just an extension of that, you know, being a drummer and being a composer. Um, and then also... People didn't hear this because we were off air. Engineer. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love recording. I love the process. I love mixing. Right, Anyone right. out there, hit me up if you if you want to mix your record. I'm good at it. Okay. I'll give you a COVID discount. Okay. And then, then but you also like composing, and you also like love performing, it. right? Yeah. Okay. So all that stuff. So okay, then let's talk about this new record. How did it come about? What was the first germ in your brain? Um, oof, good question. Um, that I'm not sure the answer to that. Uh, the first germ, uh, you know, it's because it's this this album's kind of taken like four or five years, yeah. But the, um, and I think that's I, when you gave me your last one. No, yeah. actually, it was three years ago, I think. I was, yeah, yeah, it was probably like three years ago, yeah. But you know, uh, everything has a beginning somewhere, yeah. I mean, Soft Shine Hop, the last track you played. That that and the song Purple I recorded like four years ago or something now. And then the rest of the album was recorded in just two days, two, about two years ago or less. Where? Um, all of it was recorded at uh, Company Studios in Burbank. Okay. Great, great small studio, affordable. B. Husey, the uh, co-owner and engineer there is excellent. Um, so look, yeah. there's a lot of parts in these fucking tunes. Yeah, if too you, many parts. You know, except for just two tunes. No, no, that's not too much. I'm just, <laughs> I just point that out because if you record this motherfucker in two days, there must have been some prac involved before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the pre-production is composing every freaking note and making sure that the players can read them and the, the ideas translate. We had a couple, maybe two rehearsals uh, for the album. Uh, but yeah, everyone's just so good at playing um, so that plays on my record. A, so really, it was more about you just handing out the sheet music. Yeah, okay. yeah, just making okay. sure there's like bagels so, okay. and everyone's happy. Well, let's get to this point though. Everyone, how did you choose these cats? You put an ad in the recycler? Or what? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, when the I started old days, the group, you used to do that. I yeah, I hit up like university, like USC mainly. It's a it's basically been the com- the whole jazz and classical community. Like everyone knows each other within each community. 
um, in LA, I think. And so it just sort of naturally has evolved and I just have a big group of contacts um, for for all these woodwind players and bassists uh, and uh, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of these guys uh, and girls are been playing with the group on and off for a long time, um, and they've they've gone to USC. A lot of USC uh, graduates. Okay, I want to play third, seeing clearly.
in the control room.
only future leaders that I'll believe in will all be wearing black t-shirts that say, fuck it, the only future leaders that I'll believe in will all be wearing black t-shirts that say, fuck it, or maybe Perhaps simply bucket. Yeah, as soon as any of those three scenarios play out, I reckon I'll know where to chuck it. As soon as any of those three scenarios play out, I reckon I'll know where to Just a bullshit slogan designed to get you to wash your car like a churlish chicklets, a churlish chicklets chewing chode. A clean car doesn't really drive any better. No, it doesn't. And that's just some bullshit slogan designed to get you to wash your car like a churlish chicklets. Chicklets, churlish chicklets, chicklets, chewing toad. Chode, that is. Like a beat up aluminum ladder on the side of the road. And if brandy. If brandy is really such a fine. Doesn't someone buy her a watch? Yeah, Brandy is really such a fine girl. Why does
doesn't someone buy her a watch or a belt with a buckle that says I know what time it is that's a need of an extra notch or a 1972, there were such things as rug-burned crotches, folks. <laughs> that was the only real hazard you had. You didn't have to worry about AIDS or fucking plagues or fucking stigma. Just a rug-burned crotch. I know is <laughs> Charlie B better be out somewhere gunning down a plethora of ne'er-do-wells like good, 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 vigilante. All I know is Charlie B better be out somewhere gunning down a plethora of ne'er-do-wells like good, 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 vigilante. As for me, I'm stuck in a cloud of annoying fruit vape smoke. And my name is Giganti. Oh, I'm stuck in a cloud of annoying fruit vape smoking. My name is Giganti. Hey, Giganti! Hey, Giganti! Hey, Giganti! Hey, Giganti! Hey, Giganti! Show me the law that permits you to treat a man like a wild animal! Hey, Giganti! Hey, Giganti! Show me the law that permits you to treat a man like a wild animal! And I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show you! Inappropriateness can be easily glossed over, provided you possess the right ticket. The night porter will eventually come around and show you where to stick it. Inappropriateness can be easily glossed over, folks, provided you possess the right ticket. Ah, the night porter will eventually come around and show you where to stick it. Yeah. Diphtheria train ride. You're the first lieutenant, and your company is a lonesome mule. Tea is poured. 
from the right. That, my friends, is the rule. On a diphtheria train ride, you're the first lieutenant, and your company is a lonesome mule. Tea is poured from the right. That, my friends, is the rule. And you'll know you're a bit part actor when the blood on your face looks more like sriracha than blood. And the famine that's supposed to be parted like the Red Sea has a backdrop that smells like fake mud. Yeah, you'll know you're a bit part actor when the blood on your face looks more like sriracha than blood and the famine that's supposed to be parted like the red sea has a back drop yeah
Seagrove show? Yeah, that was thirds. Seeing clearly, Brendan Netter, Sable. And then we had Dream Phases, uh, with Always on My Mind, Bark, out of Knoxville, with The Good Part, Om Fu, Old Man Fuck You, I think that's an acronym, means, <laughs> uh, out of Knoxville as well, Future Leaders, and then finally, the Brendan Etter Ensemble with Please Explain. So, did you did you compose on piano? Uh, yeah, yeah, I usually compose on, uh, I have like a Wurlitzer uh, keyboard here in my apartment, that, or uh, also melodica, it's just a, another instrument I have, since, you know, melodica, I do voice like a little, memos. A melodica is like a little keyboard that you blow into? Yeah. When I saw, me and D. Boone saw The Gang of Four, maybe 1980, 1979, and the singer would pull that, one of those out time to time, <laughs> start playing on it. And then They're I met, killer instruments. Yeah, and I met some friends, maybe, I don't know, early 2000s, uh, go team. They they were using these things, but I was thinking, man, you must get a fucking head rush <laughs> keeping the wind up on that motherfucker. The, you know, the high note, the, the upper notes at least, you don't barely have to blow at all, you know? Oh, really? And it's loud. Yeah, so it's, it's it's not too bad. Is it a thing where you have to breathe in rhythm, or is it just like you keep it bellows? You know how some accordions are like that? You have to, like, play it in the rhythm? Yeah, this one, the melodica, it's like if you're not pressing any notes, nothing's happening. So either, yeah, you can hold down the notes, play the rhythm with your wind, or you can uh, just have pressure going and then press down and let go of the notes and it'll, you know, kind of be the same thing. But yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna cut in and out, and like any in, wind instrument, you know. Yeah, but like a bandoneel, for for example, with the accordions, bandoneels, you actually have to play them in the rhythm as you're pumping the air in. Right, right. Whereas like my my uh, organ man and second man, Pizzo plays traditional accordion. The the pumping could be in any kind of rhythm because it's yeah. actually a reservoir, like a, a bellow, you know. Right, right. So that, that's what I was meaning. But, uh, but I'm curious uh, when you're composing with the melodica. What's it for, like, melodies? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Melodies, uh, yeah, melodies or, or harmony. Any tool at my disposal. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, Because I don't I know a lot of cats who compose on melodica. Yeah, yeah, it's just one tool. Like, it's just small. I could put it yeah, on my but, kitchen table and compose there or so, something. So it's right there. It's like a harmonica. You can just pick it up when the idea hits you, the muse hits you. Yeah, and the fact that it has that wind kind of instrument quality, I can it can kind of tap into my imagination more. I think because oh, yeah, I can't yeah, play clarinet too. or anything like that. That too, yeah, because it's yeah. not just pushing buttons. It's got yeah, breath. so you got that human breath. Yeah, yeah. It's got the breath. What can I ask you your opinion on on this composition tool? Bass guitar. I I love bass, and I have no, a bass. I'm, I'm talking about as a. Com- yeah, I love bass too, but I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about it as a composition tool because I think this is the future of the bass. Interesting. Uh, how of, so? Usually it's the last, for example, in your compositions, do you put the bass on last? No, no, no way. I can't do that. Bass is like, come on. Um, you know, I start with a bass line sometimes, so it's going to be in there. Ah, see, now you a call lot. it a bass line. What, 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 about, what about writing a whole piece, you know, where there's verses and choruses and bridges and all that shit, not just a bass line? Well, you mean like fretting, like like uh, playing chords on the bass and all that? No, no. I'm saying oh. come up with parts. 
Just like you would yeah. do with the parts well, on I'm a not... keyboard or on a guitar. Here's the chorus, here's the verse, here's the bridge. Yeah. Totally doable, except I'm not I'm not very good at bass, so no, but uh, I'm, the keyboard. I'm, 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 I'm uh, trying to get a composer's opinion on this. Uh. The reason why I bring it up, okay, yeah, I do bass. But the other reason <laughs> is because don't you think it leaves a lot of room for your collaborators? When you do something on the keyboard or on the guitar, you're putting in a lot of harmonic information. With a bass guitar, there ain't that much harmonic information. No, so, that's a really that's a really interesting point, yeah, especially like, for yeah collaboration and writing with people. Well, if you well, come up with ideas on bass and bring that to the table, you're going to probably get a better, a more interesting and more collaborative result than you would if you flushed out. Uh, you're not even looking at the end of the road. You're, you're I'm looking at it as a, a launch pad, a springboard. Yeah, yeah. And then a guy like Nels Klein, they love it, but other people I've done this with. Man, that's like writing a song on cymbals or, or kick drum, you know? Man, I don't know what to put. Too much freedom, huh? What's wrong with them? <laughs> so I just want an opinion from a composer about this idea of why not compose stuff on bass. I mean, you could do it with your left hand, right, uh, on your keyboard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, shit, we're at the... Uh, under the second hour, April 27, 2020 edition of the Watt for Pedro Show. Special guest, Brendan Adder. Hold tight. Hour three. April 27, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Fight.
So we started the third hour off with uh, Uni, Brendan Edder, Ensemble, Crane and Skip, Maple Falls, Crane now in Idaho, Utapim, Living More, Cocoon, Guided by Voices. I think Bob Pollard's working on his 108th album. Oh <laughs> <my> God. God. <laughs> I know. You know, you see, he played here on New Year's. It was a 100-song gig, five hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, why do they do that? Because he, you know, like, why does a dog lick his balls? Because <laughs> he can. Instincts? No, because he can. He's got the physical ability. Yeah. I guess we could do it if we tried. I um, Yeah. Steely Dodger after that. Bob Paula, right? It's all happening. I mean, well, he's starting to collaborate now. So, But, like, I know his first 100 records, he didn't collaborate. They're all mm-hmm. his. He's incredible. Uh, and he says he sings uh, with the English accent because he's, he says he sounds too much like a hick otherwise. 
which is <laughs> he, I love that guy. It's working. Yeah, Bajon Boy featuring uh, Prana Crafter with Strung Out, and finally Riv. <laughs> Did I pronounce Ooh. that right? Yeah, Brendan Etter Ensemble. So the classical gig I went to. This was P- Pierre Boulet was conducting. Ooh. It was a Dorothy Chandler, right? They didn't have the uh, mm-hmm. French fry exploding place yet. Yeah, French fry explosion. <laughs> <laughs> the Dor- uh, Disney music, yeah. It's beautiful. I, Come got on. To, I got to do a piece there with the Glenn Branca. The th- oh, man, I got anyway, a Glenn Branca story for Dorothy you. Cha- okay, D- Dorothy Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these people could play their asses off, right? But you could tell until they, like, gave in to Mr. Boulay. They were doing uh, 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 Belle Bartok uh, 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 Mandarin, the magical Mandarin. Uh-huh. Something like that, Magnificent Mandarin. And, you know, where they flip the things over and start playing the bows on the back of the necks and shit. But when they gave in to him, they let him, you know, grab the rudder. Mm-hmm. It really got powerful. Michael Preussner took me. Uh, drummer man from Nels Klein Trio way back. Yeah. And he, he walks me up. I guess some people didn't come, you know, in the seats where he walked me right to the fucking front like a bummer. Dang. And so I, I, I felt this and I could, I could really tell the chain, the 60 or whatever, 50 individual musicians all of a sudden coming together as this one thing that Pierre Boulet had his heartbeat on, you know, and it was just, wow. it, was, it was nothing, you know, and I love power trios and, you know, Jimmy and Cream and that. But totally. Man, there was something powerful in this. Yeah, that, no, it is. That it's, just it's... overtook me emotionally. It came up the back of my spine, and I felt every hair was standing on the end. Oh, that's oh, great. Man, it was. It really was. And it was like these guys let him. They were kind of fighting him at first, you know. And then as they let him. No, no fascist shit or anything. It was just no. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody's got to be the keel. Someone's the rudder. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it was really amazing, which I don't really see a lot in rock and roll groups as much. But, man, I could see it there. And the, the coming together to build a bigger thing than by yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah it's very else. life-affirming or something like that. Yeah, so I, I'm very interested in the music you're kind of doing. And, yeah, a lot I'm of the stuff we, we hear nowadays, it is background for movies and stuff like that. But... Who knows, man? It might be gig material if we ever have gigs again. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, will, yeah. we will. We will. Look, 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 you're talking about mixing. I want to play to mix with time.
Inside our cages, we can't see past ourselves. We can't see past ourselves. We never hear from you. You never hear from me. And all that we can see is all we think will ever be.
I wake up this morning and I crawl out of bed. Tough night, I suspect, from the pain in my head. It's another day and it's starting to rain. Another lap in the line to gain. I flip on the TV and they're talking about life. What is this gift? Who gives the right? It's like a lottery win on the first day of your life. It's not like we asked to be here in this fight. Childhood's good, hanging with friends, going to the beach, girlfriends, cars, and no stress. Then you grow up, you go to school, you try to fit in and be cool. You get a job to pay the bills. You know the grind, you know the drill. So spring is here and school's out. The sun is shining and it's time to get out. Everyone's asking, what are you going to do with your life? I got to find a job. I got to make it right. With student loans and bills to pay, I need that job that'll pave the way. Simple things like the sun and the stars, they're the constant and yet so far. Not unlike a day in your life. You gotta take it, make it your fight. It's all in front of you, so just take a chance. You might be surprised. You might find romance. Relationships, love, kids, and wife. These are the things that define your life. Your time will come.
Why for Pedro Show, last music for this edition, to mix with time. Brendan Etter and Samuel. Right on. Ahmad Wasif, after that, let it ring. Young Creatures, Open Fields, Zigzags. This is stuff from uh, Nomad Eel, great label here at Pedro. Uh, Blazer, Chinese Herbal Medicine, after that with cage, uh, Cages. Cages. Fuck <laughs> San Ardo, your time will come. And finally, Brendan Etter and Samuel, the spirit of... So what's next, Brandon? What's next for me or what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you should be uh, I did a I did a concept album uh, around the same time I recorded this album. It's been done for two years, and I'm trying to figure out how to release it. Uh, and it's like super accessible, um, minimalist, elegant jazz. You're telling me you did a performance, a, a whole gig? I did a, an album. I recorded another album. Oh, it was in the studio. It wasn't it? Wasn't a, uh, a gig? Okay. No. Because you said concert. And oh, oh, concept album, concept. Oh, yeah. oh, so it's like one big song. Okay, okay. It's like got a whole story. Tell me about it. it the it's basically about a dentist um, in the seventies writing minimalist jazz uh, in obscurity in Cape Cod, and writing it after his wife died. Uh, he's retired dentist, uh, and then he works with some jazz musicians in Boston, records them on top of his home recordings, basically. And so the whole concept is that story with the album art and everything and the recording. Uh, it sounds great. It's a great, great sounding record. So, so that's next. You're, in, you're, you know, you're speaking. It's, it's, it's got a happy ending. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah, it's got a happy ending. You know, in the old days, right, with the operas, there was tragedies and comedies. Comedies didn't mean you laughing. It mean it just had a happy ending. <laughs> really? Yeah, because... People uh, love drama. Actually, before operas, going back to Greece, uh, drama was used as a tool to help society keep it together, <laughs> to teach lessons and shit. Yeah. yeah. So you got this... You even see it on the Three Stooges uh, credits and stuff. The happy face, the sa- well, they're masks, right? The mm, happy mask. Mm-hmm, yeah. So there's the tragedy and the comedy, because sometimes you need sad endings, right? Yeah, yeah, or sad beginnings, happy endings. I don't sad, know. Yeah, something. Like, <laughs> well, you need drama. You need something to drive this thing. And uh, interesting though, the, the the music is a bomb for this man's uh, tragedy. Yeah, yeah. And then he has to get out of himself. To go with other musicians to like collaborate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It sort of chronicles his his the tail end of his life, um, living alone in this you know little cottage and kind of enjoying himself in his new his new situation while still grieving the loss of his wife um, and working through you know this next chapter, this kind of final chapter in his life, I guess. Now, does this? Uh... Did this recording share people from the stuff we've been listening to today? Yeah, uh, it shares one player, uh, Sarah Robinson. She plays alto flute on this next album I got coming out. She's a killer flute player uh, in LA. But yeah, yeah, and that's got some killer musicians on it. The the upcoming album, and that one's recorded at Vox Studios, which I mentioned earlier. But that uh, Electro Vox Studios killer studio too. I entered at Cherokee Studios, though. That was crazy. Oh, I know about that place. That's yeah. part of my ball hogger tugboat. Yeah, it was two yeah. brothers, right? But in fact, they yeah. lived on, on a boat in Pedro here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fairfax and uh, Melrose. 
Yeah, yeah, legendary. I was, I was like the last intern there. They sold it, you know, yeah, and now yeah. it's like the Cherokee Lofts. It's a loft? Yeah, it's like lofts or something, apartments. Brendan, if the, uh, people younger than you want to ask you about advice with uh, this music racket shit, what would you tell them? Uh, wow, I don't know. You know. Some people I discourage. I'm just like, don't even try. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. You know, you got to be patient. You got you to gotta be really, really fucking passionate. Um, That's good. And resilient. That's good. Um, and, yeah, and you have to just listen to your instincts. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on all the streaming platforms, no, and I'm on ins- a- Instagram. You no, know, Instagram's no, no, good. No. Those are telephone poles to hang up flyers. I'm talking about a Bre- Brandon Edder website. Well, that yeah, I have one. It's called, it's edermusic.com. Okay, because that's like your own fanzine. you got no filtering, no no middleman there. Well, that's the problem. I, it's, you know, it's hard to like put posts on there and keep it updated. It's pretty boring. Yeah, dated. but you know what? <laughs> Nobody can ever fuck with it. That's what's cool about it. That's why yeah, no, no one fucks with my website. That, that's why I, uh, <laughs> what's the whole idea? It's the same ethic of the fanzine. I print yeah. it, so I, I'm in charge of the content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It Brandon, it's been that. a big uh, honor to have you on the show. Uh, when this baby comes out with the dentist, come back on and let's play it and talk about it. Yeah, man, I so appreciate you uh, you listening and uh, having me on. Uh, I'm a big fan, and I think you're you know you're a legend <laughs> for all of us, for all musicians. That's too kind, Brandon. People, it's been the April 27, 2020 Dishwap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.